Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, A Coach for the Coach. I'm your coach, Helen Williams, and we are building a community of sports coaches who want to proactively take their coaching career to the next level, as well as build the next generation of student-athlete leaders. A great, great guest for you today. We're going to um, have some really, really good conversation uh, in terms of leadership and setting priorities and hiring and all this really cool stuff that I think is really important. Um, for coaches, especially the younger coaches, some, some good things to hear um, um, from my guests. So um, like I normally do, I, sh- I normally shout out coaches, but today I got to shout out my school because this particular uh, guest that I have, she, she keeps bringing all these Carolina vibes. And so I got to make sure that I balance that with some Wake Forest vibes uh, uh, for my friend here. But uh, I, I want to bring her in. My guest today uh, is uh, Jennifer Williams, athletic director at Alabama State. How you doing? Hey, Helen. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> it's going good. I, I'm telling you, I got to balance it out now. I mean, I know you got, uh, you know, your Alabama State on, so you got the right colors on today. So thanks for being on the show. I'm, I'm so excited because we've had some really excellent conversations in the past, and I just thought you'd be a great guest to um, talk about leadership and developing staff and people um, because I do so admire the work that you do. Uh, and I'm going to tell you folks, I don't know if she has enough uh, fingers for all the rings uh, <laughs> that she has for the championships. Every time I turn around, uh, one of her teams is winning a championship. So that's just a testament uh, to her leadership and making sure that she hires the right people and, uh, you know, obviously making sure uh, that she gives them what they need to be successful. So um, going to be going to be a great show. Um, I, I guess I want to start off with give us your definition of, 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 of leadership and your philosophy of leadership, and then we'll just go from there. Well, I mean, you know, leadership is really inspiring people to um, move towards a certain goal in my book. And I believe in being a servant leader. Um, I, it was a clip I retweeted on Twitter today. Um, it was from the Michael Jordan documentary series that came out in March or whatever. And he talked about um, just how sometimes he's viewed as a tyrant, but um, at the end of the day, he wants everyone to experience being a winner. And, you know, I think that's important because I'll never ask my team or my student athletes to do something that I've never been through. And I believe it starts right there. Um, You know, you have to be willing to go through what you're asking other people to go through. And I've been successful at all levels of my career, um, whether as a player, starting as a middle school player all the way up through college and now as a professional. And so I think it shows that, you know, I know what it takes to win. And I know what that looks like. Um, You don't luck up to win three state championships or you don't, you know, be a top 25 player in the country if you don't know what hard work looks like. So um, I think that motivates my team to buy into it more because, again, I'll never ask them to do something that I have not done or I'm unwilling to do. Yeah, and I think I saw that clip uh, that you tweeted out. And one of the most interesting things to me was was Michael Jordan said that he, um, you know, he had to pull people along um, to, to get the things that they didn't even know that they wanted to get to. Uh, and I think that's yeah. really interesting. Sometimes you do things for people and it's in their best interest. But at the time, they don't feel like it's in their best interest. Or they don't know um, because they just have not they, they may not have been able to see the big picture. And I think, you know, as leaders, most leaders are visionaries and they don't look at just being in the moment. They look at the totality of what you can bring. And, and it's up to that leader to bring that out of you. The same as a coach. You know, I look at, you know, coaches have such great leadership 
um, skills that, you know, they have to sometimes dig deep to motivate a player that they may not even know what's inside that greatness. They may not know it's there. And as coaches, you know, I never coached, but I consider myself a coach. But You coach every day. You coach, coach every, every day. day. In a different realm, but I feel like you have to really know, know your personnel and what inspires and motivates them so that you bring out that greatness. So when you first got to Alabama State, you, you mentioned earlier about being a visionary. How did you, what, what, what were your priorities when you got there and how did you get people to buy in? Because that's very similar to what a coach would do when they take over a program as well. You, you get in there, those quote unquote aren't your people, but they are mm -hmm. your people, right? Um, yeah. and so how did you accomplish that? Well, um, when I came to Alabama State, I didn't come in as the athletic director. I came in as the deputy athletic director. So the number two position and um, just through some changes in our leadership, um, I was able to be named the interim AD and then the permanent AD. So um, really just working hard and being genuine. You know, I, I truly believe in the institution. I believe in our department and I love my job. I think that, you know, I'm not the person that was trying to be there, but not really invested, trying to look at the next step. Um, I genuinely wanted or want to make um, the place I'm at great. And so I think people can see that whether I'm one of them or not, you know, my love and passion for what I do. And um, I, I don't, I think it's second to none. And I'm always going to go above and beyond to get the job done. And I think people have to, they may not like me or like it, but they have to respect it. And to me, that's really what it's about. You don't have to like a person to be able to work with them or to accomplish a goal. It's, it's all about respecting them and everyone understanding what that end goal is and working toward it. So I think I was able to create, create that buy-in just by um, fully, you know, uh, engaging and throwing myself into the culture at Alabama State, really understanding the culture and the climate and really wanting to connect with the people. I think my fundraising background really helped me with that because you have to learn how to connect with all types of people and you have to be a good listener. Um, you know, I, I was able to hear what people were concerned about. And while I may not respond to everyone, I do hear and see it. But at the end of the day, I'm always going to do what's in the best interest of our program. Um, everyone has Everyone thinks they're an AD or everyone thinks they're a coach. You have these, <laughs> lot of these I call these, these I have we have these groups out here that I call the I think I'm the football or basketball coach and AD groups that everyone has an opinion. But at the yeah. end of the day, no one's walking in your shoes. So you always have to, you know, do what go with your gut. You know, I tell people you were built for this to lead and, and, and you go from there. But um, you still take in and, and listen to the feedback, whether you accept it or not. It's up to you. But just being a good listener, I think that's part of it, too. And just showing that people that you're genuinely you care about the institution, the place that you work. And did you I know there were some times when I as a coach had to do something or make a decision and, and people just didn't like it. And, and I, I would go home and feel just awful. <laughs> You know, but I knew I made the right decision, but I I still felt awful about, you know, maybe some something happened to a person or or, or whatever, or a kid, whether it was a kid or staff member, mm -hmm. I knew I was doing the best thing for the program, but it just it just didn't feel good. But you have to make those decisions sometimes. Yeah, you do. I mean, I can look at just, you know, between hiring and firing people. You know, I think that, you know, as a leader, you never want to see someone lose their job. But at the end of the day, the program is what you're most concerned about and your student athletes. And if it's going to make your program stronger and it's going to make your student athlete experience better, then you always have to go with that. You have to take personal out of it. Like 
You know, I, <laughs> I've had to let people go that I really liked and um, or I didn't hire people that I really liked because it just wasn't a good fit. So at the end of the day, you have to just make sure I'm really big on fit and then looking mm -hmm. at what's going to be best for the program. Yeah. So you take over and then all of a sudden this year we, we, we get uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19. <laughs> um, but let's explore that a little bit. So what was your what were your first thoughts when you figured you had to make some major changes, whether it was obviously postponing the season, um, you know, for football and then trying to figure out when your other sports were going to play? What what was your first thought when you figured out that? And then what were your priorities in, in, in making sure that it was implemented correctly? Well, my first thoughts were like, oh, shit, you know, I don't want to curse. But <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. Um, I did never think that, um, you know, I've always wanted to be an athletic director when I got into this business, but I never would have imagined that this would be in my year two something as the full-time AD, um, something that I would be managing. But, um, you know, I really feel like I know, and I'm not going to say I, I know that being a student athlete prepared me to lead in this moment. Um, as student athletes, we always have to flex and pivot. And those are two words that I use a lot with my staff is being able to be flexible and, and having a plan, a contingency plan. So you, you have to be willing to um, be flexible. And I think in athletics, sometimes the university can be so like, oh my goodness, because they're used to things being timed out and on a schedule, but athletics, yeah. everything just kind of happens. And so, um, you know, once everything kind of sh shut down, you know, we I have a circle of uh, friends that I can call on and colleagues in the business and just talk through some things. What are you seeing in your part of the country? What are you guys looking at in your conference? Being able to have those people to talk to. Um, my president made it, um, you know, mandated that we have a check in every day just with updates. Um, so being able to talk to the other cabinet members and VPs about, you know, what's going to be best for moving the institution forward because athletics is a vital part of the institution. And so um, it, it was it was scary, but I knew that we had a plan. Um, I went straight into, OK, what does this look like? You know, I serve on D1 Council. So being in those conversations with mm. ADs from the Power Five, from the Group of Five, from FCS, you know, all across D1, none football, it, it, it helped because you get to see kind of everything that's going on in the country and what some of the folks with a little more revenue and resources are being able to do um, that I can sometimes take and pull to our institution. But I do think a lot of your smaller institutions were better prepared for this because we um, always have to act financially conservative. And I tell my staff all the time, don't spend money. And, you know, so I think that when, and we don't rely on television revenue as heavy, heavily as some of these other, you know, your power five conferences. So it didn't, it affected us, but it wasn't as drastic, I'd say. And because we had been scaling back anyway and trying to be conservative with our spending and how we do things um, at Alabama State in our department, we just really want, I really want to make sure that from a mental health standpoint, that my staff was good. Um, because when you take something away, especially for my spring sports, I felt really bad because I just hired two coaches and this was going to be their first season competing mm -hmm. and to have to shut it down. And, um, you know, I know they were eager to, you know, get here. They were new to the area and to really start. Um, that was hard. But um, at the end of the day, I think our conference um, did a great job of taking the lead. Um, and moving in that direction, we were one of the first conferences that decided to postpone our fall sports and play in the spring. And then we had a plan. 
as a conference. And so um, it, it's been challenging, but um, you know, as we were talking a little earlier, I do feel as if we're gonna come out stronger after dealing with COVID um, you know, and all the social injustices that have occurred with COVID. Um, it was really, it's been a trying time, but that mental health piece is something I really focused on because we kind of already knew where we were with the resources. We have very right. little. So we, we had to manage what we had. And um, we were blessed that we did not have to furlough anyone. Um, our coaches were able to still keep a pulse on their student athletes, um, talk to them about checking in with them daily, make sure that I was, you know, on Twitter, visible, letting them know, hey, you know, it's OK to not be OK. And that we still have resources for you all, even though you may be virtually or remote from the institution, we're still here from you. You still have your Hornet family. So those check-ins, um, not just with the student athletes, we still had our head coaches, our all staff meetings, tried to keep some normalcy as much as possible, but still understanding that people are operating in the unknown. And a lot of coaches, you know, and administrators, we're control freaks. You know, we need to know like yeah what we're doing when we're doing exactly. it, you have to relinquish. And some of my coaches are more of control, you know, controlling than others. And I can see them still struggling with it at times. And I have to understand that it's very fluid still. Things are gonna change. I don't have all the answers. The president doesn't have all the answers, but we're willing to work to find and do what's best for our program. I don't think anyone has all the answers right now. And so, relinquishing that control and letting people know, hey, it's okay to be vulnerable. Um, we have a plan. This plan is going to be, it's going to change. That's something we told parents. It's something we told our coaches, our students as a, in totality as a university that, hey, we have these plans, but we're looking at this on day to day. We, you know, have to be flexible. The coronavirus, no one's lived through a pandemic before. So um, it's not a manual that you can go to and say, hey, right. this is what you do. <laughs> you know, right. when I page go to yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, um, but I do think for the most part, um, our coaches have been great. Um, our student athletes, we talked a lot about personal responsibility. Um, some have gotten it, some have not. Um, <laughs> but for those who haven't, we've had to, you know, we've had to shut them down. I mean, we, we can't, we have to, um, you know, this is for them to be able to play. They have to understand you have to take this virus seriously, seriously, while it may not affect them directly. It may affect your coaches. It may affect their families. It may affect your professors. Um, we have a lot of seasoned Hornets, um, you know, that work with our teams. So it's bigger than them. And I think when you're in this, this, I don't want to say error, but this, uh, you know, time with student athletes, um, a lot of it's about me, 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 me. You know, it's, we have a somewhat of a selfish culture with some of our student athletes. And I don't think they always look at the bigger picture that is not just directly, okay, about you right now. It's about you being responsible so that you're not affecting your coach or your coach's family or your student athlete who may have asthma, your fellow teammate who may have asthma, who has a pre-existing um, condition. So, Really just um, emphasizing the importance of the why, the why we are taking these measures. But we can only implement so many safety measures. The student athletes still have to abide by the rules and the regulations. And um, that's not even just in our athletic department at our university. I mean, student athletes are getting suspended. You know, I'm seeing all type of articles about people suspending student athletes, teams for not following the COVID-19 mandates that are at their university. Yeah, I was saying to someone the other day that I think this generation of kids who are going through this, while it's not optimum and nobody would actually want to deal with it in the end, 
they're going to be a lot stronger, a lot more resilient, and hopefully more compassionate toward their fellow human having had to go through this, um, you know, particular thing. So as they get older and, and also, you know, you mentioned the racial injustice. I think it's great that they have, you know, decided that they want to have a voice and, mm-hmm. and at least that has given them some sort of, um, you know, there is something I can do during this pand- pandemic to make a difference. Like you can't really fight the virus, you know, but you can, you can, you know, you can try to do something substantive with the, with the racial injustice piece. So I, I really think that they're going to be, I, I thought they were going to be all right anyway, but this just mm-hmm. you know, confirms to me that having had to go through this, they're going to be a lot stronger. I agree. Um, you know, I looked at a lot of my student athletes and they were, you know, in their uh, respective states and cities, they were participating in protests and they were very vocal. And then you look at the student athletes on just a national level, what national, what the D1 SAC has done and the campaigns they put out and the different initiatives that they put out in regards to racial um, injustices and that they're um, all in it together. And basically, I just think that it's been great to see it all come together. You know, when we, when I was in school, I mean, you were in school, we didn't have social media. Like I think Facebook just started my last year at Carolina, um, but you, oh, you have Twitter. Yourself. You date yourself. I know, now. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, so it, 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 it's different, you know, like we were yeah. able to speak out, but it just didn't reach the masses. Now people right. can post something on Twitter and they can touch millions of people. So yeah. I think that's the difference. And I think that a lot of these schools where, you know, you only see, um, you might not even see minorities as coaches. You don't really, their administration is really, you know, predominantly white. Um, and it, I think that student athletes are, you know, calling people out or we, coaching staffs. You know, we talk about minorities and coaching and, and, and it's just, it needs to improve. Um, there, I don't have the figures, but I know it's very lacking um, in terms of administrators and coaches. And I think this really forced a lot of athletic departments to look at what are you doing? Because the majority of your student athletes, especially in your revenue generating sports, are African-American. But yet yeah. you don't have anyone on senior staff that looks like them or you may not even have head coaches that, uh, you know, in your department that look like them. So um, I think it's definitely going to. Um, you know, affect change. And I just applaud the student athletes to keep using their voice, um, you know, use it in the right manner because social media can go left, but um, make sure that they're, you know, being respectful, but still letting their voice be heard. That's a great segue into what I wanted to talk with you about in terms of the hiring process and, and hiring coaches. Tell us what you, the process you go through when you're looking for head coach, you just hired a men's basketball coach. Um, and, and how do you determine what success means for that particular, each particular program? Cause it's different. Obviously we all want to win. That's sort right. of a given, but, but, but success is relevant depending on the, the program and where the program is and uh, not just resources, but, but talk to us about that. Yeah. So in our situation, um, yeah, obviously, like you said, as a coach, you know, wins and losses matter. But um, we needed someone who really um, could relate to the student athlete experience, who was energetic. Um, I felt that we were missing, uh, lacking a lot of energy in that program. So wanted someone who was energetic, um, excited, who had a really good recruiting pipeline. Um, For us, you had to understand HBCU culture. Um, While our head coach didn't go to an HBCU, he was familiar with our landscape. Um, I think all of his siblings, plus his mom and dad, all went to HBCUs except for him and his brother. And so 
he understood it. Um, he was from, um, you know, Jackson, Mississippi, which you have um, Jackson State right there. You have other historically black colleges in that area as well. And then Planet Alabama. So you're familiar with Alabama State A&M. You know this area, this footprint. But mm -hmm. um, one is someone who was connected. I think that for us, we did have to look at, um, you know, the connectivity that this person could have to um, for recruiting purposes, as well as for just helping us get our brand out there. We don't have the dollars to pay for tons of advertisement, but how do you connect us with someone who may can help us get our brand out there? So those all went into the factor of who you're looking for. And then someone who operates with high integrity. I mean, that's the biggest thing I look at. You know, we had a lot of people apply for our position. Um, you know, it, it was <laughs> it's never a, a great time for someone to resign or to let go of a coach during a pandemic, especially. But when right. it happened. I was just shocked at how many people really applied. And it wasn't just African-Americans applied. We had a lot of Caucasian coaches um, apply as well. So we really want to get the right fit. Um, I really look at fit and everything position I'm hiring for. And Mo Williams, he just checked every list that we, every um, bullet that we were looking for on our list. Now, when people talk about experience, you know, I think him, his plan, he played 16 something years, an NBA champion, was coaching during the off season of the NBA and then had collegiate experience. I think that all goes into, while he may not have been a head coach, to me, that's important. You look at the total body of work um, because there's a lot of head coaches that, you know, applied for the job, but they j it just wasn't the right fit for us. But, um, you know, but really it was a thorough process. We had to do everything through um, Zoom. You know, everything was done virtually, yeah. even the tour. You know, we were in the midst of the pandemic. I want to say we hired him on May 1st. And we started the process. Wow. Um, yeah, probably started the process the end of March, beginning of April. So um, it was long, but uh, we are excited um, about our program. And um, you know, for us, in the end, like you said, it's different. We had to have someone who understood the type of kid that needs to come into our program. We don't have the resources of Alabama where you have twenty tutors, um, academic advisors. You know, we need to. We have five. <laughs> So, you know, mm -hmm. understand. And, and in, in a lot of HBCUs, the APR piece is big. So understanding that was a, a key factor. And what is the plan? Because we had struggled in that um, program with APR. And um, so that was all that went into it. And we were very upfront. Um, I don't believe in, you know, I don't believe in, to, in lying to a coach. You know, when you're hiring them, be as transparent as possible um, about them, what's going on with the program, where we are because um, you don't want to build a relationship on lack of trust. You know, it, you want to make sure that they know everything they're getting into. Um, I tell my, a lot of my staff, they know I don't like surprises. So I don't want to set anybody else up to be surprised coming into um, a potential opportunity. Thanks for listening to A Coach for the Coast today with special guest Jennifer Williams, former athletic director at Alabama State University. As it stands, it looks like we need to bring her back next week for part two to further discuss how to make critical decisions about athletics during a pandemic. In the meantime, if you want more coaching nuggets, head over to my Facebook page, A Coach for the Coach, where we share helpful tips to take your coaching career to the next level.